0: Today's episode was inspired by an email that I got from a podcast listener named Sam. Sam says he's a 68 year old large framed male yoga teacher in Greenville, North Carolina. He came into yoga in his late fifties and in his classes, he takes 25 minutes or so of postures that he feels like are good warm up postures for the second half of his class. He varies the second half based on those in attendance. He wants to know, what are my thoughts on asanas to begin a class? Can I address warming up and warm-up sequences for older yogis? Sam says, I don't like to do something like full cobra or up dog too early. How about you? Okay, I love this question because it is so practical and so nitty gritty. Every single class you teach, you're going to need to think about warming up the body. On a physical level, a warm-up ideally is going to increase your heart rate and activate large muscle groups, and specifically the muscle groups that you plan to focus on later in your class. Especially in a gentle class or a class geared towards more sedentary people, teachers are often afraid of doing anything really vigorous in the beginning of class, and that totally makes sense. At the same time, I think your students are going to have a better experience with the rest of class if you get their heart rates up a little bit, if you challenge them a little bit towards the beginning in a simple way. Warm-ups aren't always at the very beginning. Sometimes we will meditate first or do a centering. And if your students are able to drop into a focused place without needing to move first, then that's really wonderful. On the other hand, if you teach a population that struggles with silence and stillness, you might consider moving your centering to after warmups or even just saving it for the end of class. Whether you include a centering before your warmups or not, plan on simple dynamic movement as the first physical part of your class. These should be movements that every single person in the room will feel comfortable and successful doing. Generally, you want to think of one neutral position such as standing or lying down or hands and knees that you will move in and out of for part or all of your warm-ups. Starting out lying on the back is really wonderful for gentle classes as the floor mostly supports the spine and it also makes it really easy to take breaks. Starting on hands and knees offers more options for engaging the core and starting standing has the advantage of being easier to do really big movements that elevate the heart rate. I also sometimes start and end my warmups from the prone position of lying on your belly. I think of this as being advanced though because you need more body awareness to stay safe. So I usually do this just for classes where the students have more experience. Now you can of course choose more than one position to do warm-ups from. There's lots of reasons why you might want to do some of your warm-ups from standing and some from hands and knees and it's just going to depend on how much time you want to spend and also the level of comfort of your students in changing those positions. So for example in a gentle class or a class with more older people like Sam teaches, you might not wanna invest the amount of time that it takes to transition from lying on your back to standing, especially if you have a lot of other things planned for later in class. And speaking of that, what you do have planned should have a big influence on how you approach your warmups. In many yoga classes, there's a focus on poses that put multiple joints into their end range of motion and often even using leverage. For most people, for most bodies in the Western world, these are very complicated shapes to perform skillfully. And these include even poses that are taught in beginner classes like triangle, warrior one, and twisted lunge. These I think of as being quite biomechanically advanced. Each student is gonna experience each shape differently depending on their body. In these more complicated poses, there's often gonna be more than one place of challenge and that makes it really hard for your students to know where to focus. In order to make sure that they have the body awareness to perform these relatively complex poses, it's helpful to dissect what movements the poses are comprised of and present them more simply in a warm-up situation. So Sam asked me about what asanas I think of as warm-ups, and often I don't think of asanas. Of course, sometimes there are, (laughs) but sometimes I think of parts of asanas, portions of asanas. Let's take that lunge twist as an example. If you think about the lunge twist where one elbow is hooked across the thigh of the opposing leg to pull your spine into a deeper twist, your front hip is in flexion, your back hip is in extension, your spine is probably somewhat in flexion, definitely in rotation, so it's not considered to be a particularly difficult pose in yoga, but if your students are not very active, it is asking a lot. In order to warm up for that pose, you might isolate the lunge portion from the twist portion. Have your students do some active, reclined spinal twists, like variations of Jatara Parvartanasana, and some active lunges where their spines are more neutral. Then bring them together into that twisted lunge. In many yoga classes, a teacher might include dozens of these relatively complicated poses in their sequence. So it could be daunting to try to dissect each pose in this way and kind of time consuming to warm up for each of them. It might also feel like an exciting challenge. This is very similar to the way that I teach currently. Once you understand the building blocks of the more complicated shapes, they're really built out of simpler shapes. And that perspective makes it a lot easier to figure out where your students are struggling and help them find a version of each exercise that is going to be most appropriate and most helpful for them. In contrast to those more complicated poses, let's take a pose like Cat-Cow. In cat-cow, you're either working to flex your spine or extend it. Yes, your hips and your knees and your shoulders are partially flexed, but they're not at their end range of motion for most people. The one caveat to this is that your wrists are likely in full extension. So depending on your student base, you might wanna take that out of the equation by stacking two blocks under each forearm. Now you have an exercise where your students get to focus on moving one body part without being distracted by limitations somewhere else. If you're young and fit, or if your students are young and fit, this approach might sound a little boring, but believe me that most of your students need to first find success in this sort of simple movement before they're really going to be successful in more complicated movements. So the simpler the movement, in my mind, the more appropriate it is for a warm-up. And if you don't have the time or inclination to break down each of the complicated poses you plan to teach, there's actually another way that is more repeatable and simple. During your warm-ups, focus on the major directions of movement for the shoulders, the spine, and the hips, and try to hit as many different ways of moving these joints in a active and dynamic way. Let's take Sam's example of Cobra now. You could say Cobra is relatively simple, so for some populations it would be okay to do it pretty early in your sequence. As a component of the vinyasa and the sun salutation, we know that there are many classes where the very first thing you do is sun salutations. and for the right person with the right body that works for them for most older bodies though i do agree completely that cobra needs preparation cobra is pushing against gravity into pretty major spinal extension depending on how much you push using your arms for leverage and it's this leverage piece that makes cobra a more quote-unquote advanced pose almost any range of motion that you can get your body into using just your own strength is going to be pretty safe and pretty supported. But when you start bringing leverage into the picture, that's when people don't necessarily have the body awareness and this is nothing on them. Even a a very advanced person can't see inside their body to know how much is too much, to know which tissues are getting damaged through repeated pushing into an end range of motion. So in general, I like to approach poses that involve leverage with a lot of respect and a lot of preparation. You might start standing with some big shoulder movements, reaching your arms overhead, maybe some side stretches, And then chair pose is a good way to engage the big muscles of your legs to start increasing the elevation of your heart rate. Then you might make your way onto hands and knees to move the spine in and out of extension without leverage in something like cat cow, because this will improve body awareness for Cobra. Then you can come all the way down to the floor and do some rounds of Cobra without the leverage without the arms. And this is going to require more work from your muscles, which will also have the benefit of continuing to increase blood flow and heart rate. And finally, as they come into Cobra, I would invite them to come in and out several times in rhythm with their breath. Because when you're moving in and out of a pose, you don't have enough time to really push into your end range. So you're really working the mid-range in and out first. And then finally, for their final round, I would ask them to hold the pose as long as it feels interesting and beneficial for them so that they can listen to their body's signal to know when to come down and rest. So that might be what I would do for a class of older people or a class of more sedentary people. If I were teaching a class of young dancers, Cobra might be part of the warm-up. I would still teach some relatively simple poses with a more neutral spine first. That's my bias and my priority. So that might look like some standing poses, planks, or even push-ups and downward facing dog. For this population, Cobra is not their max range of motion. They're using Cobra to warm up for deeper backbends like wheel or king dancer or king pigeon. I hope that's helpful to illustrate how What's a warm-up for one person would be almost a peak pose for another person. Best case scenario, warm-ups are simple and dynamic. They get your student's heart rate and breathing elevated, and they get people in their bodies moving and not thinking too much. Think of mostly movements and positions where you use your muscles to get into and hold the pose for warm-ups, and not so much... Leveraged movements, where you're pushing against something to pull you deeper. Now, you can push against something like the floor for uh, feedback and support and and strength, but generally not something where you're pulling yourself into a stretch as a warm up. I also want to put it out there that you could think of your entire class as a progression of warm ups, and this is an especially helpful approach for older adults. This is a very therapeutic approach if all of your exercises, or maybe most of your exercises, elevate your student's heart rate by engaging muscles in a, in simple movements, and then pause, use breath to slow it back down and to introvert for a moment and check in. That is a really lovely rhythm for a class, for a yoga class. I know it's not always easy to visualize depending on how you learn and how your brain works. You might not be able to visualize everything I'm talking about from just listening. Hopefully, you've gotten some ideas and some concepts from this. And for those of you who are more visual learners, I'm creating three short videos as companions to this episode that people who are on my email list will have access to. And it's just three Different warm up sequences one from standing, one from hands and knees, and one from the back. These should give you lots of ideas for simple ways to elevate the heart rate, engage large muscle groups, and increase body awareness. If you're not yet on my email list, it's easy to join. Just go to teachingyoga.net join. Before I sign off, I want to thank those of you who have left reviews on iTunes recently. I know that not everyone listens on iTunes, but it's the main place where you can leave a podcast review. A listener with the username of C. Yogini recently left this review. Madot's clean, articulate speech on the subject of yoga gives me, a total yoga geek, so much to explore, ponder, and share. She speaks on the endless reservoir of treasure that infuses our yoga journey, and she speaks in a way that defines and organizes unclear or tricky topics, reassures me that what we do as yogis is important, and keeps my yoga classes fresh, smart, and safe. Can't wait for more. Thank you so much, C. Yogini. Always happy to hear that another fellow yoga geek appreciates the podcast. And I appreciate that you took the time to leave a review because out of all the people who listen regularly, not very many of them take that time. So your words are extra special to me, and I just want to say thank you. And thank you, dear listener, to all my listeners for staying all the way to the end. It does say a lot about your commitment to teaching that you chose to listen to a podcast all about warm-ups. Your students are lucky to have you as a teacher.